Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. This is a double shot today. I love the double shot. It's like a double header. We're playing two, <laughs> ga- two games in one day. Hey, everyone. It's Amanda. And yes, this is the second podcast we're recording this afternoon. It's Friday afternoon. Great day for podcasting. And we have a really awesome guest on the phone. And we're very thankful that she has agreed to talk to us. I'm also thankful that Mark decided to sit down. He was just recording standing up and swaying back and forth. And for some reason, it was making me very uncomfortable. Sorry. So he is now sitting and we're talking to Vivian, who is an employee at Mohawk College. Can I do some background on this? We, we can. Oh, I, yeah. was going, I was going to do that, but okay, I'm going to let go, you know. No, no, I'm going to no, let no, you no, do no, that. Go, this was go, your go, idea. Go. I'm going to drink some water. Go for it. <laughs> Uh, Mark actually reached out to Vivian because we thought it would be really important and a really important topic to discuss what schools are doing in terms of actually getting back in class and getting the massage therapy programs running again amidst this entire pandemic. So yeah. he reached out to some people from some private colleges, well, this from is the some thing. community so, colleges. Exactly. We wanted, we wanted to hear what private colleges were doing, what community colleges were doing, and seeing if there was a difference between the two. And I think, you know, I, <laughs> I think from some of the episodes that we've done in the past, for example, when we had a, a, a previous uh, admissions representative from a private career college come on and we talked about some of the not so ethical things that happen at some of the private career colleges. Some, I th- asterisks, some. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think that left a bad taste in uh, some private career college owners' Um, mouths and uh, we're getting a kind of this the, the cold shoulder from from a whole bunch they of community colleges, which is great. But I thought this would be an awesome opportunity to hear what schools are doing, and especially you know now that we now that the CMTO, for example, how they're they're bringing back the licensing exam and they're looking to, or at least they made an announcement as to when the licensing exam is going to resume again, and they put a call out for staffing for the licensing exam, so people like uh, they're looking for examiners. They're looking for standardized bodies, that type of thing. And, and there's a big thing in the RMT community, or at least it was before when they when they killed when they can't killed when they canceled the licensing exam, and then they they sent out the communication that they're they're not going to have anything up and running until January of next year. There's a whole bunch of people that were in a sign of, kind of an uproar there, right? They're like, well, why is it taking them five months to figure out what to do? Blah 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 blah. And there's a lot more that goes into it than running your clinic. You know, when you're working with students, students, when you're working with prospective students in a school, when you have a massive group of people, when you have a whole staffing situation that you have to deal with, there's a lot going on. So I really love the idea that you, you, you're you going to be open with us and tell us what's going to happen at schools and what you guys have been doing, because we've also seen schools in this time closed down, mm-hmm. right? We saw CCMH in Toronto, Canadian College of Massage and Hydrotherapy in Toronto. Their Toronto campus closed down. Their Cambridge campus closed down, leaving those students high and dry, leaving that staff without a job. Yes. So before we start, Vivian, can you give a an introduction to our listeners about you, how long you've been in the field, what your position is at Mohawk, and we'll just dive right in and figure out um, what's going to be... What what school's going to look like for students returning in the fall? Okay. Yeah, no problem. I'm Vivian. I have been a massage therapist since I graduated in 1999, still loving every minute of it. I've been teaching since 2008, and I started in a private college 
loved the experience I had there. And then when the massage therapy program opened at Mohawk College in 2013, I was part of the curriculum development for the program then and moved into faculty. And then starting in 2014, I became the coordinator for the program. So at this point, I am one of two coordinators for the program, and I am still faculty within the program. Awesome. Oh, and I'm still practicing. <laughs> That's This is what I love so much about this profession. I know I, it's, it's always like rainbows and cupcakes over here when we talk about massage. So but I, I love the diversity. There's so many things you can do. You know, you're, you're coordinator of a program. You're still teaching. You're practicing. Like, no two days are, diff- are the same for you, right? You have so much Absolutely. variety. I love that. And I love every part of it. Everything I do, I love. So it's, it's amazing. That is amazing. I wish that more people could say that about their jobs. It's unfortunate that there's still such a huge percentage of people who really just go to work to pay their bills. I mean, mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine not loving my job. It's it's such a huge part of your life. Why would you want to go to work and be miserable every day? Sometimes you don't have a choice, I guess. Well, right? yeah, and that's the thing. Sometimes you don't. So we are very fortunate. And Vivian, thanks again for agreeing to talk to us today. So why don't we just sort of start at the beginning and talk about um, how Mohawk handled everything at the beginning, you know, when, when the school closed down and how those decisions were made, what your role was in it. Let's start right at the beginning. Okay, no problem. Well, we know that everything got shut down in March, and um, at that time, uh, all of all of the coordinators of the different schools, we all talk together frequently, you know, to bounce ideas off of each other and everything. It's a very collaborative atmosphere within the community colleges. Mm-hmm. I can't really speak to exactly what their decisions were, but we did talk about what we think would be best practices at the time. So what we decided to do with our students is we decided to postpone any semester that had a clinical course. So um, with accreditation, we're all required to make sure our students get a minimum number of, of clinical hours, right? Mm-hmm. So for any of those students who were going to have a clinical component, uh, we thought we didn't want to risk them running short on hours and having to make them up later. So any semester that had a clinical component, we decided to postpone them to the fall. And that left us with just our semester two students at that time. So we decided to go ahead and run that uh, virtually and remotely for the spring and summer semester. Well, to back up a little bit, in March, when it all shut down, we were still teaching. So we were able to um, move move a lot of what we were doing. We were able to move it online right immediately for the, for the closure of the winter semester. Mm-hmm. It left us with a few weeks of um, not being able to do hands-on material at that time. But um, none of our students were in a position where we won't have the opportunity to sort of catch up come the fall. So um, we were fortunate we didn't have like a graduating class that was waiting to finish in April. So, you know, no one was put on hold in that respect, right? How did your instructors take the idea of, hey, classroom no more, take this online, guys? How, how, how did they receive that? There wasn't any sort of fight back or pushback with respect to that, I think, you know, we're all healthcare providers. So I think we all recognize that there, there wasn't another option, right? Um, we needed to make sure that we were keeping people safe. And that was our primary focus right from the beginning. And it continues to be that way. So there was that aspect of just saying, oh, okay, so it's online now. Let's do this. Yeah, and so everyone seemed positive about it. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and, and then the other side of that is that at Mohawk College, we've been doing online and blended learning for 15 years. Like this is not new for us. So it just meant that 
some courses needed to be manipulated, but there were no teachers who were who were throwing their hands up in the air and saying, I have no idea how to do this. It was just a matter of how do I make my um, my knowledge of online or blended learning, how do I make it apply to this course? So now uh, going back in the fall, there's going to be a bunch of students that need to, as you said, they need to catch up on things, right? Is mm-hmm. there also a new fall start or have you guys decided to delay that? Are there new or is there like a semester one coming in in September? There is. I know some schools have chosen to um, eliminate their fall start for this year, but we are proceeding with it. And part of the reason we're feeling comfortable doing that is because we are already very comfortable with the whole virtual and remote learning atmosphere. Um, it's a smaller intake than we've seen previously in September, but I think pretty much every program in every school is going to be experiencing that right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a combination of people still fearing for, you know, being in a classroom. Uh, People don't have money right now. You know, a lot of people were not working during COVID. And then also there is still a big question mark in our industry. There's a lot of people who are skeptical about the future of massage therapy. I'm not one of those people. I'm not worried about us at all. I don't think that we are non-essential. I think that massage therapists are going to be needed and around forever. But I know there's people who are thinking like, shit, we were non-essential and out of work. So why would I want to get into that? So I'm happy to hear that people are still um, registering for the program and ready to go ahead with this career. Because I mean, the three of us sitting here will tell you this is a good place to be. Oh, absolutely. Uh, One of my um, real defining moments for me as a massage therapist was coming back when we were finally allowed to come back. I, you know, I was had a little anxiety around it. I wasn't sure what it was going to look like, but we were just booked and overbooked and waiting listed out the door, just people desperate for physical contact and the benefits to not only their physical, but their mental health, just Mm -hmm. unbelievable response. People just so happy that we're back. I had everybody calling me saying this god damn work from home my body's killing me i'm you know the makeshift desks people working on their bed or at their dining tables like it was yeah i had a lot of people just dying to come back because because of working from home or like you said the mental health or you know the people who were trying to balance working from home with kids running around and you know their spouse is also working from home and the homeschooling oh and the homeschooling like (laughs) (laughs) what a disaster the last five months have been but I mean, it sounds like you guys are doing really well. And it is definitely an advantage that online and virtual learning was already something Mohawk was comfortable with and already doing. So for the people coming in in September, then um, I, I want to get back to, you know, the students catching up. But I want to talk about the the new people coming in. How different is it going to be from when like myself or Mark or you, Vivian, when we started massage school, what are their first, what's their first term going to look like? Well, with me being a graduate in 1999, um, it's going to look completely different. Mine and yours probably even look different. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I I remember ticking in course and this is the internet. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A little different. different. With your dial up. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So uh, our students are already familiar with that, thankfully. Um, So what's going to look different is that anything that can be taught online will be taught online because the best form of social distancing is going to be staying at home. Of course. So so anything that can be taught online will be taught online. And and that's going to include 
all of the theory is going to include sort of the lecture component of any of the hands-on courses, right? And and we've always done this. We've always had um, some online courses that were completely self-driven and, uh, you know, modular and assignments and, and students were responsible for meeting deadlines, you know, as an essential employability skill. These courses were created for them to make sure they meet those needs. Uh, and then we've always had courses where we had an in-class component and a blended learning component. Well, those courses are now going to be completely um, addressed virtually or remotely or, or in a blended capacity. But then any of the courses that have had an, a hands-on piece, they're going to continue to have that hands-on piece 100%. We're not dumbing it down. So the ones that had a lecture and a lab component, the lecture will be online, but the labs will still be 100% face-to-face. And are you going to be staggering? Like, So I know it's a smaller group coming in. Will the whole group ever be on campus together or have you – like, what kind of scheduling needed to go into this to make sure that like you didn't have – It sounds like a scheduling nightmare. Yeah, it sounds like a nightmare, like to make sure that you don't have too many students in the lab or on campus at the same time. Well, we worked really closely with Hamilton Public Health to make sure that we were following any sort sort of recommendations they had. It was sort of up to us to come up with a plan, but by working with them, they were like, yeah, I don't know about that, or yeah, that's a great idea. And um, officially, we're allowed to have up to 50 people within a classroom, but for us, for our lab settings, we're not going that high. So um, back in the days of norm, we would have had a maximum of 40 students in our lab, but now we're taking it down to a maximum of 25 people in our lab. So that will be the students and the profs and any technologists that have to be in the space. And it means that, you know, if if we had a class of 40 people, normally that would have been, you know, one class that they could all attend. But now they're going to be split up into different blocks, uh, smaller blocks. And one of the other things we're going to be doing with these students is something that is not ideal, but it makes sense. We're going to be having them have assigned partners. Um, This is going to be related to sort of like that contact tracing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So assigned partners. And I don't know if that, like at this point we're planning on doing that for the full semester. Mm -hmm. If things change and we can open that up, we will. But for now, that's the plan. And it also means that within the classroom setting, within the lab rather, uh, they will have assigned tables, right? Assigned massage tables. This is your cubicle for you and your partner. Right. So, you know, if we've got four different classes that are going to be coming through that space, then that's going to be eight different people who contact that table, right? Right. Yeah, I can see how it's it's not the most ideal situation because well, typically like, you want to be able to experience and work with different people. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. like for myself, for example, I went to a private career college when I was a massage therapy student. And one of the pulls of going to a private career college is being in a smaller class. My massage mm-hmm. therapy class, I think there was eight of us. Like mm-hmm. it was very, very small. Yep. And so I actually always worked with the same people. Like always. I went to school. I went to a private career college as well. And there was 30 something people people in my class and I pretty much worked with the same yeah the same so I, don't, Hi, Lydia. I, don't. I worked the same people <laughs> over and over and over again yeah so I don't yeah, think it's going to be fair. a huge a, a huge um disadvantage yeah, because you still students. have things like student clinic where you get to yep. explore different bodies that come through and such absolutely and to be fair um 
uh, I'm one of those profs who forces students to work with other people. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of them are quite relieved to find out that, you know, they'll have a say in who they get to work with and that they won't have to come out of their comfort zone too, too quickly, right? Yeah, well, that's nice. The only shitty part is if you're the student that gets stuck with the slacker there's always a, there's always a slacker. There's always at least one. So this is the opportunity to put the well, slackers together. There's no slackers in my class. Oh, right? oh, oh, gotcha, yeah. oh, you're you're ready with the answers. I love it. Oh yeah, who's my favorite student? It's whichever one is right in front of me. I love it. So it is it is a little bit of a, a scheduling pain in the butt for you guys to make sure that you only have a certain number of students in in the lab. And now. We, I had only asked you about, you know, the term one people coming in. You now also have to accommodate all of the people that missed their labs in, in you know, the end of the winter and the spring and summer sessions. So mm-hmm. what are things looking like for them? Have they completed everything they can online and now they just have to get hands on? Or is there still a little bit of lecture and online component left for them to do in the fall? So for the semesters, for the students who uh, were just sort of cut short in the winter, um, Pretty much, they, we, we didn't cancel classes. We continued on right. uh, vir- virtually. So they've completed everything, with the exception being that some students, not all students, but some of them were missing some of their outreach hours or their clinic hours. And those will be, they will have the opportunity to book extra shifts and so on. So it's not like they're going to fail the course because of that. It's more like they'll get an incomplete until they catch up on some extra shifts. Right. And I think our worst case scenario was that I think the highest number of hours the student would have been missing was like nine hours. So three extra shifts over the entire term. Oh, yeah, that's not bad. Oh, that's good. Yeah, we were in a really good position. And then, um, so then starting September, they're just back in class and just picking up where they left off. There's no catching up for those guys with respect to um, the material that they had to learn. It really just is any missing clinic hours. Now, our semester two students who continued through the summer we do feel like we need to give them a little bit of catch-up time because so much of what they learned, they didn't have any hands-on right. opportunities over the summer. We were hopeful. We were hoping that they would be able to get back in July and August, and we put a proposal out to the ministry saying this is why we think they should be, uh, but it wasn't improved, right? So we continued on with our online learning. And now we want to make sure in September that, if nothing else, they get some time to build confidence Right. Back in the winter, we had a semester semester two group that, you know, got cut, got their classes cut off a little bit towards the end of the winter. And then we had our summer semester two students who had completely online learning. So now in the fall, those two groups of students are going to join together. So what we're going to do with them is we're going to have uh, them partner up with each other to make sure that they are building their confidence and working with someone new. (laughs) Working with someone new. Well, that's yeah, that's good. Is this a ministry nightmare as well to go from in class to online stuff? Or is it just like a really smooth transition from that standpoint? With the Ministry of Health, Ministry of Education, what do you... Education, education. Uh... The Ministry of Education hasn't really had much to say about the situation. I think, you know, Ministry of Health just trumped everything. We were more concerned with how the accrediting body feels about things. 
right. to make sure that we're meeting accreditation requirements. Right, right, right. Our program is approved by the ministry based on the learning outcomes we outline and things like that. And none of that, we're not dropping any learning outcomes. So they have nothing to be concerned okay, about. Okay, okay. So the approval of your program has nothing to do or minimal to do with actually the delivery model then, right? That's kind of right. what I was, I was asking. Yeah, about. It's okay. learning outcomes. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, for- but accreditation, they have a little more uh, stringent factors like we like things that we have to ensure we provide like that minimum number of uh, direct client care hours with um, with our clinical practice. Right? Mm-hmm. And how do you think that's going to go? Like, I, I assume then student clinics going to have to open back up because everyone's going to have to get their clinical hours, their outreach hours, et cetera, et cetera. Um, do you feel pretty confident, you know, based on the experience you've had in your own clinical practice that the general public will be back and ready to come see the student therapist? I feel like that's not going to be a problem for us. I think that they're going to be ready. I mean, even in my own practice, I have clients who are ready to, you know, trade off, see me once and see one of, see the, go to the student clinic two weeks later and back and forth, right? So I don't think we'll have a problem getting clients in. I, I'm actually more concerned because we're going to have a bit of a soft start to clinic. We want to make sure we give those students a chance to regain their confidence. We want to make sure they're very clear on the protocols that need to be followed. Right. So we won't be taking clients in right away. I'm more concerned that we're going to have clients who just are knocking on the door saying, "Where? why can't I make an appointment? Right? That's true. You have to make sure that the therapists know. Like I know for me coming back to work, I, I Initially, the, uh, like yourself, I had some anxiety of what it was going to look like. Now I've been back since I think the second week of June and things are smooth and, you know, my clients are all back and, you know, it just looks a little bit different. But it's making sure that the students feel comfortable and know, you know, every protocol that has to be followed. They know how to incorporate, you know, the COVID screening and mm-hmm. how to incorporate, you know, the new things into their consent and, you know, how to make sure that clients are keeping their damn masks on. So oh, I think, that is the challenge, right? Yeah. So I think that's where, yeah, that confidence piece comes in is that they are confident enough to know that, you know, this is the way clinic runs. And if you're not going to follow these protocols, then you're you're not going to come to the clinic. Have you as a therapist had any issues with clients who are, you know, they don't want to keep their mask on or they don't understand or they're not, you know, they don't understand the same, like, for example, I have a client who comes to me weekly. I mean, she has no issues. She doesn't, she doesn't give me any pushback or anything, but I, I can almost hear her eyes rolling when I'm asking her the same pre-screening <laughs> questions every week. <laughs> what does that sound like? Is it a scratchy sound you when know, her she, eyes roll back? She, sometimes, actually, when we're booking the appointment, she just, before I even open my mouth or anything, she says to me, no to all of your questions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. So at my clinic, um, the owner of my clinic has the, the Jane app. So we have a pre-screening that they fill out online prior to yep. coming into the clinic. So I haven't had that. I have had a couple people who... Have, haven't just haven't bothered to complete it before coming in, so I had to complete it with them before they come in. Yeah, and the same same as what you're saying, they're like, no, 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 and okay, we're done here. And I kind of forced them to listen to me ask the questions. Yeah, <laughs> you're like you have to actually listen. And you know what? And like I said, I I haven't really had any pushback, but I kind of see that people are like, really, this again. And I and yes, one lady said to me, and, and not in like a negative way, but she said to me. 
Amanda, I've been your client for years. You can trust me. If my health status changes, if anything changes, I'm going to tell you. And I said, absolutely, I do trust you. And I hope you trust me. And part of you trusting me is knowing that I'm making everybody answer these damn questions every single time. So, you know, it's an education perspective. Some research that was done on this might might be might be helpful to explain to clients or maybe offensive, I'm not sure. But the edu- the uh, research that was done on sort of academic honesty or dishonesty, um, forcing students to apply a signature to a question about, you know, I, I promise that everything I've done here was my own work uh, and that there's no plagiarism and no academic dishonesty. Forcing them to sign that immediately prior to submitting their work mm. reduced the amount of academic dishonesty. Mm. So I see it from that perspective. Like if I force you to consider these questions every time, then you're less likely to go, no, I'm sure it's fine. Right. 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 It's true. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that uh, so far I've had no serious issues with people answering them. Just literally the looks like, really? Again, you're asking me this shit again? I'm like, yes, I am. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you again next week. So brace yourself. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then, and then the, uh, and then people, I have had people, no one has refused to wear a mask, but I have had several people say, do I really have to wear a mask for the whole thing? Yep. And you know what? I'm I'm kind and I'm gentle and I'm polite with them and and I explain to them that they do. Uh, but inside, I want to stomp my feet like a toddler and say, "I gotta wear it." Yep. You know, and I'm working a hell of a lot harder than you are right now. So, oh, yeah. trust <laughs> me, I had um I had a new a new client recently, and I don't take a lot of new clients, but this was by referral. So I'm you know I'm more open to taking a new client right now if it's a referral. And uh, mm-hmm. the referral was actually a family member, even. So I was like, okay, yeah, no problem. I'll see this this friend of yours, and uh, we booked the appointment. I think. I think he probably booked an appointment like the day before he was coming in. So, you know, he got asked the questions the day before. And then, of course, I'm asking him the same questions the next day. And uh, the mask thing, he he kind of I know he wanted to ask me, like, do I have to wear this the whole time? But he was kind of dancing around it. And I just said, get on the table. I'm you know, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go wash my hands, all that jazz. When I come back in, if you are feeling uncomfortable, if you're feeling it's difficult to breathe, if you feel that you're not going to be able to stay in this position with the mask on the whole time, let me know. And then we can discuss some alternatives, but just get on the table. And as soon as I came back in, I was like, so how do you feel? He's like, oh, it's actually not that bad. And I was like, yeah, uh, it's like 80 degrees in here and I'm walking around the table. You just have to lay there. You'll be fine. Try teaching right. in it. Yeah, poor Try Mark teaching teaches in it, in it for Try eight hours in a day. Eight, eight <laughs> hours and you're talking nonstop and you're demoing and then you're running around the room to making sure everyone's, you know, you're answering all their questions and observing what they're doing and giving feedback. And after doing that the first time, I was like, oh man, I can wear a mask all day long, every day, all day, and it's not a problem. So. Right. Uh, I'm, when it comes to the teaching part of it, that's one of the things that I'm sort of... Um, I'm wondering how that's going to go for the lab parts. I, I had a little bit of time to, to have a, an impact on what our schedule was going to look like for the fall. And I had the opportunity of having two back to back labs that would keep me on campus just one day, but I'd be in labs for eight hours. Mm-hmm. And I, you know what? No, I couldn't do it. I, I just thought I'm risking it. I'm, how am I going to get through eight hours with a mask on? Right. So. We switched it up and, and yeah, that's the one thing I'm probably most nervous about going back on campus. It's not about safety or anything like that. It's more about 
how are we going to get through this many hours? Um, it's, it's just so much more physical than even what it is in the clinic. Right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I've said this before as well, that I'm, I'm really feeling for retail workers these days because mm. like for myself, I purposely schedule 30 to 60 minutes between my clients. So one, I can take, I, I work by myself so I can take off the mask when my client walks out the door because I'm, I'm by myself. And I have 30 to 60 minutes where I don't have to wear it. But when I go into a store like these, these people that are working cash and you know, they, what they have two 15 minute breaks in a shift. They have mm-hmm. to keep their mask on all day. And I really feel for them. And yeah, since Mark's been back teaching here at Con Ed, he's wearing his mask for the full eight hours. And because we're doing the same as you, we're giving everybody their own table. So when he's doing demos now, he also is sort of like running all over the room to like small, you know, each group of two to show them stuff and and give them feedback. It's not like he can say, okay, everybody huddle around me and squish together anymore. That's not a thing. Oh, no, I, I don't know. I'm not really sure how the demo gonna go <laughs> yeah it's a different thing I mean mm-hmm. everyone's kind of still like he'll do one demo and everybody kind of stands around but they keep distance mm-hmm. but then he's having to reshow it to smaller groups yeah. because you can't see it as clearly because you're trying not to get too close to the other people yeah so what we've also done we've included a lot with our continued education courses we shot a lot of video yeah. of our demos and that way anything that you didn't fully get from the live demonstration you at least have a video that you can kind of go back and refer to it at any point in time. Right. Well, fun story for me. I created some demo videos for my semester two students. And um, and because I couldn't allow them to practice those techniques, what I did to sort of reinforce their learning was I got them to mark me. So take my rubric and mark me doing my demo video. You're a brave which, you woman. Know, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so I did get completely shredded by a couple of people <laughs> who are like brand new to this whole massage therapy world. And I, it was really difficult to give them feedback without sounding like I was just offended by them. Right. <laughs> because they know actually That's the video true. was meant to tell you how to do it correctly. <laughs> and you probably shouldn't have found that much stuff wrong with it. <laughs> For the most part, they gave me good marks. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah, good mark. Man. And you know, for any, is any students that are listening, you know, just a pro tip: if your instructor gives you an assignment like this, don't tear up the instructor. <laughs> don't criticize the one who's marking you. Come on, guys, get it together. Bite the hand that feeds you. <laughs> yes. What are you doing? You tell her that was great, Vivian. That was excellent work. I hope to be as as smooth as that when I'm a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> but find one thing wrong just to show they're paying attention, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least one, just to show. Have you had any students express that they're they're appreciative? about coming back? Oh, 100%. I've had a couple of students who have who've reached out to say, if this is going to be all online, I can't do this. I, I have to postpone it, right? So I've tried to reassure them and, and let them know that it isn't all online and that um, postponing it, I mean, if, we don't know when it's going to get no, we don't. back to a more normal situation, right? So kind of forging ahead, I think it may be the best option for most people. Mm-hmm. I get it if they simply can't face it, they can't do it. But like, like I said, it's not all online. So I feel like, you know, try to encourage them. Just we can do this, right? Yeah. What about the the other side of it? Are there any students who are scared about safety and don't want to come in to do their hands-on hours exactly, in their yeah. labs? Uh, that's a good question. So one of the one of the discussions, I've I received a lot of sort of um, 
concerns from students about this is online, this is hands-on. I, I, I miss out on having the hands-on training. I learn better from visually and all this. So I get a lot of these types of concerns. Uh, so I posted a, an assignment for my students. It was a discussion saying, you know, what's your perspective on online training and, um, and, you know, and, and, and get a look at different people's perspectives and then have a discussion about it. And it was really interesting because I had one student in particular who posted that, uh, he was really glad we weren't in the classroom because he has some health issues that compromise him. And he was just relieved to know that he could continue his education right now without having to worry about compromising that. Mm-hmm. So it was a real eye-opener for the other students to go, oh, wow, you know, it isn't all just about, it's not just about the education, it's the safety part, right? So, yeah, so we do we do have students who have expressed it in both ways, both the safety issue as well as the need to be in there and do their hands-on. But um, what the, the unique thing that we have uh, helping us through this is that September isn't ground zero for us at Mohawk because we've already had some stranded programs that were given permission to come back into the labs for July and August. Okay. So they've all the protocols are already in place for like a stage two shutdown of the city and everything is tight and they feel... Um, like everything's been run smoothly and, um, and the protocols are all very comfortably in place. So now when September comes, we're in a unique position where rather than saying, how do we make this safe? We get to say, well, we know how to make it safe. Now let's see what we can do to slowly and carefully bring back some services, right? Mm -hmm. So the students can feel pretty confident that for the last couple of months, it's, it's already been a safe environment. So now, so that's a little bit like same old for us. And, uh, and then we're just going to do our best to make sure we get back to whatever services we can provide just safely. You know, I think that students, I don't know if anyone's looked at it from this angle, if any of the students have, but any students who are listening, there is a small silver lining here and a unique advantage that you guys have. We've talked to a lot of therapists that when COVID hit, literally just wanted to curl up in the fetal position and cry and say, fuck it, I'm done. I'm out. because, And some did because Mm -hmm. this was, you know, so unexpected. This unique advantage that these students are having is you're already going in this with the the necessity to adapt, you know, getting some education online, doing some stuff virtually, doing some stuff in class, like having to critically think your way through this whole thing isn't a bad thing. You know, being able to do a lot of things independently, especially in a career like massage therapy, where the the biggest pillar of this this industry is you have to be able to think critically and you have to be able to adapt and you have to be able to, you know, think on your toes. You know, maybe there is a small silver lining that the students are getting the yeah, advantage of I, not having their hands held the entire way through. I get it, but also just be a student for two seconds. Do you know what I mean? Be no, that, I, I be, that, be that I'd be that be that student who just came <laughs> for example, who just finished high school, super excited to start the massage therapy program. Do you know what I mean? Needs their hand held maybe a little bit. Doesn't you know, it's already overwhelmed by everything. And then and then something you know, kind of that thing. Well I from my perspective, the students coming in straight from high school, I feel like the ones that are coming in straight from high school this September are better prepared than the ones I've had in the past. Totally. Kids don't, kids don't even like people. They only want to communicate through screens. All right, so, so then fine. let's go with <laughs> the, ma- the mature student then, right? But in the past, like students come straight out of high school, uh, we were under the 
false assumption that they knew how to use technology. And then they came into uh, a program where technology is a requirement for them. And, and it was a real big learning curve for them. So like any of the blended learning was a challenge for a lot of these students. Mm-hmm. So um, now what we're seeing, what I expect to see rather, is that these students have been sort of forced into that situation for the back end of their last year of high school. And so they should be more prepared um, for that kind of setting when they come in September. Right. Now, you're right. The mature student is a different story, right? Like, and that's a learning curve. Technology is a huge learning curve for a lot of our mature students. Uh, but, but I don't, I don't know that this is going to be any more difficult than it has been in the past. And I do know that the school is trying to make sure they're really, really clear about resources for helping them learn to use these things. Yeah. Personally, for me as a, as a prof, I, I try to make sure that um, I'm respectful and understanding that this is a learning curve, especially in our semester one and two courses. I just, I want to be able to say to them, yeah, there's a deadline and so on. And these are important skills to but your knowledge of it is more important, right? So, like, I, I try not to stomp my foot down and, and um, make students pay for trying to figure out technology when the most important thing they're learning is, you know, pathology, right? Yeah. Do you guys have a fairly, like, user-friendly platform? How does the online stuff work? Does Mohawk have their own thing, or do you guys do things live stream? Is it a combination of both? How are the students doing their online learning? We have um, our online learning platform is Canvas. It's I think it's the same. I believe it's the same platform that U of T uses. Um, we used to have a um, a D2L, a desire to learn platform. And then this past spring, in the middle of our shutting down in COVID, we switched to a new platform. So that was fun. <laughs> um, Good timing. <laughs> and my word, when I use the word fun, it's very loose. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, we had this platform that it's got some incredible opportunities for doing online things for our students. And I mean, it's not just a place where we post our lectures. Uh, it's a place where we can do quizzes and we can do assignments and we can have them earn badges that can go towards grades and things like that. Um, and I think maybe the fact that we took this new platform on at the same time as everything was shutting down might actually be a benefit because if we weren't, if we weren't forced to say, how do I make this work remotely? Then there's a lot of, mm, I'll figure it out later. I'll figure it out later. But yeah. we, we didn't have that option. So I think we're really prepared going into September with this new platform. And we probably, many of us probably understand it better than we understood the old one because we had no choice. We had to understand it, right? Uh, so we've got that. And then it, there's an amazing number of resources that are available through our publishers, like with, with the textbooks we use and everything. They have so many virtual labs and, mm-hmm. and workbooks and, and just so much that's available that we can use with our students. It's just incredible. The, the, the online learning, I really, um, if they know how to log in and sign up, there's really not that much of a challenge to it. Well, that's and awesome. I think the bigger challenge is the being self-motivated. Just to make sure that would have been my challenge as a student. I've I've talked about this on many an episode that in university I was I was a slacker. I did not do Mm -hmm. online classes because I would not have kicked myself in the butt enough to actually do them. (laughs) Easy there. Absolutely. Yeah, some people yeah. have the discipline. I was not one of those people. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 but I really like when you use when you use that term "silver lining." That's like one of my favorite things to say. 
silver linings, right? You got to find them. And I feel like, you know, what you said, like, this is an amazing opportunity for these students. I think it's an amazing opportunity for the profession because, like, we stomp our feet like toddlers sometimes saying, we are healthcare professionals. Why doesn't anybody believe us, right? And 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 people treat us like we're just like that frou-frou uh, spa industry. I'm not anti-spa, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> far from it. I like going to the spa. Uh, but, you know, that we have one purpose, and that is just to make people feel like they've had a luxurious moment in time. Yeah. And and we are so much more than that. And I think this shutdown of things has forced us to look, like you said, critically at what we can do. Look yeah. at our scope of practice and say, what do we do besides rub people? And I know you had Ron uh, McCarker on recently, and he mm-hmm. talked about assessments. And, you know, and that's something we do. We assess. And we also are responsible for for remedial exercise and for self-care. And uh, and we can we can talk to our clients virtually. We are valuable to them. Physiotherapists and other manual therapists have been doing this during the shutdown. They've yeah. been doing Zoom meetings with their clients to say, I'm going to walk you through how to do this exercise to get better. And we are allowed to do the same thing. So now with our students, it might be difficult to do that as a massage therapist right now to say, well, I'm going to start doing virtual stuff. Like, I don't even know how to bill for that and so on, right? But as a student, if they're in the classroom and it's a part of their curriculum, like we're, we're going to have our students do virtual uh, clinics mm-hmm. with other We'll, we'll start with other students and then we'll move out into whoever is willing to participate in that, right? And make this something that they can become comfortable with before they're trying to figure out how to bill it in a clinic, right? So, I mean, it's my silver lining speech right there. I think I, I do agree with you that there are some really good opportunities that I think will be positive for the profession. Yeah. And I, again, we can sit in the corner and curl up and cry, or we can adapt and move forward. And like you said, prove that we are healthcare professionals. We can figure this shit out. Don't worry. We, are, yeah, we got adapt it. Adapt or die. We'll keep going. Uh, We had a kinesiologist on recently. I don't think her episode has been published yet, but she was talking about how she does full virtual assessments with her clients now. And she said it's been a really positive experience for her because it just because of the reach that she can have, you know, somebody who maybe wouldn't have necessarily been able to get into clinic to see her for an assessment. They've been able to connect and she's been able to actually get to people that she may not have otherwise gotten to. I think massage therapists feel lost with all that virtual stuff. It's it's coming from the billing part of it, right? Because no no extended healthcare company is really going to reimburse their patient. I shouldn't say no, but I can see the challenge for an extended healthcare company reimbursing a patient that had a virtual massage therapy treatment because the insurance companies don't necessarily understand our full scope of practice and what we're able to do. That's true. They really don't. So, I mean, as a kinesiologist, it's a whole different story. Not that she's got a whole bunch of insurance companies that provide their members with kinesiology services, but she's been already dealing with a bunch of people that pay out of pocket anyway. So for her, it's not such a big deal. Or as a kin, it's not such a big deal, right? As a massage therapist, it's a whole different for us. I mean, we put our registration number on our receipt because we provided our services. And as long as we can you know, uh, comfortably and confidently say that we provided a massage therapy service within our scope of practice, 
and our numbers on the receipt, they have it and they submit it. And there's really nobody questioning it. I hear what you're saying, but the insurance companies have taken on a whole different light when it comes to massage therapy. So for example, there's a bunch of insurance companies that refuse to pay back or reimburse clients unless there's an itemized, itemized receipt that says this is what you worked on and these are the purposes why. Insurance companies are already asking for information on a receipt that go way above and beyond what our governing body says we need to have on a receipt. I was going to say, can they, can they do that? I feel like we, we can't give them an itemized receipt. Like I provided work, peck work, like what? Oh, oh, there's insurance companies that are asking for that now because they want to see that you're providing therapy for the patients, right? Oh, Versus boy. providing something else. Oh, this happens a lot. Are, are they suggesting that a relaxation massage isn't therapy? Um, they are. They are. I've had this conversation <laughs> with other with other therapists or an insurance company saying the information that you have on your receipt is not enough information. The therapist is saying, well, yes, it is. This is what my college says I need to have. I need to have the therapist's name. I need to have their signature, their license number. I need to have the HST number if they collect HST, the person who received the massage, the, the date, the time, all the stuff that we need to have on a receipt. And the insurance company is like, well, we need this extra information on this receipt, whether it's an address or whatever the case is. The bottom line is, though, I feel like a massage therapist is in. If, if you're relying on the insurance company for your income, and most of us do, we tend to bend and break based on what the insurance company is saying, even if it's wrong. Yeah, and it, it is really unfortunate that insurance companies don't understand our scope whatsoever. This is or another. They don't care to understand the scope, but they just want to not have to pay out a fucking claim if they don't have to. Even if it's not about the money, they. They really don't understand. Like I again, I've mentioned this story before, where I had a client come to me, and um, it was for a work injury. And he, anyway, I won't go through the whole thing again. But his insurance adjuster called me to find out like why he was seeking massage therapy. And I said to her, "What do you mean? Why is he seeking massage therapy? Like he, you know, he had a pretty severe injury." And she said, um, "Well, if he's still injured, then I don't understand why he's not going to a physiotherapist. I assume." if he's seeking massage therapy, that he's recovered and now he's just coming to you for relaxation. I was like, I don't know what else to do other than throw my phone right now. Like, what? (laughs) What? So this is unfortunately the people who are determining uh, what we can and can't bill for. That's insane. Well, I mean, they're not determining what you can and can't bill for. They're determining are they going to to reimburse (laughs) that particular patient or client? And if that patient or client can't get their money back, then they would be like, why am I bothering with this? So that's the only challenge I see with virtual because definitely virtual can happen for massage therapy in terms of assessment remedial exercise. And the biggest piece for us is to have a very well-documented treatment plan that clearly states that there's there's a a certain amount of remedial exercise that's part of this massage therapy treatment plan. And therefore, you can do things like virtual. But again, will the insurance company that is going to pay back? All these questions. Yeah. So I I feel feel like... um, We've done this to ourselves as a profession, that we've Absolutely. allowed them to bully us into this, and that we've got a lot of people who, who are really just comfortable with showing up and, and um, rubbing bodies and then, and then calling it a day and not really putting that much critical thinking into what they do. And that's, you know, and that's, there's a huge population of RNGs that are happy with that. So we've done that to ourselves. So then if we need to change this, I think that's, that's kind of our responsibility in the schools to make sure that the students who are graduating are willing to say, I'm not okay with this. Exactly. I think we're, we're seeing it a little bit. We're seeing some new therapists come out there and, and their bosses try to bully them and say, well, you're going to do this and you're going to do that and we're going to 
use you in this way and and you see a lot more of our newer graduates saying no i'm not okay with this it goes against my college it goes against our rules i'm not doing this and it's taken a long time for students to for new grads to feel comfortable doing that so i feel like maybe like it might be a um a stretch it might take some time to get there but maybe if we start introducing to our students now and saying you need to recognize that this is valuable for your clients and you need to be willing to um, sort of advocate for yourself with people like insurance companies. Um, and it, it might take a bit of time to get there, but you know, our whole profession has gone through this many times, right? I agree with you 100%. It's, 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 it's us and we have to decide that this is ridiculous. A whole other piece of it is we have to decide that we're not going to be the ones that are going to be relying on extended healthcare companies and everything else, right? We need to maybe display our value differently and therefore we can still keep our patients and clients that recognize the value and attract other people that recognize the value and don't worry about this third party. Payer. And I mention this all the time on all the other podcasts. Fitness industry does this fucking great, right? No one's paying mm-hmm. for that, but people find value in it and therefore they pay into that themselves. Mm-hmm. Life coaches, I brought this up the last time. Everyone I know is a fucking life coach, right? Seriously. And, yeah, that's true. Uh, why is everybody a life Every, coach? Everyone's got a life coach <laughs> and no extended healthcare coverage is paying for that. And life coaches, man, that's, that stuff's not cheap. That's expensive and people find value in it so they pay out for it. Mm-hmm. And I think we just need to collectively as a, as a massive group of people say, you know what, we're going to start doing things differently and we know what our value is and we're going to start to display that value. So all you students going to Massage Therapy College right now, whether you're starting in the fall or whether you're continuing, then you know, this is this is your opportunity. You guys got to start uh, revamping our profession a little bit. You've got the virtual skills now. And uh, yeah, we can we can start adding things that really are going to give value to our clients and showing people that we are on the same playing field as some of the other healthcare providers who are already doing this. Yeah, so it's about not undervaluing ourselves, right? So the students, I mean, that's whatever happens next, whether it's insurance or whatever, third-party payers or whether they exist or not, our students need to come out of this knowing that they're doing something valuable. I'm just really glad that, I mean, again, you said you can't speak for what the other schools are doing, but it does give me some comfort knowing that you guys are all in contact with each other and there's sort of a consensus on how to proceed and best practices. So any, you know, potential students or any students who are listening to this, you can get some comfort in knowing that your school's taking this seriously and trying to make sure that you still get exactly what you paid for, you get the quality education and you're possibly getting something even more valuable than than the three of us got. Who knows? This could turn out to be a really great thing for you It can guys. be. I'm curious about some of the smaller private career colleges, though, and what's happening there. Because like a large community college, there's a lot of resources there, True. right? And there's already co- courses and programs that are running, you know, virtually. They're, 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 they're online, blah, 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 blah. And then you have a private career college that, that has none of these things. Do you know what I mean? And how are they handling that? I'm really curious. Mm-hmm. Well, when you, especially when you but look at a college like CCMH, they, for them to close the campus is, um, you know, it was just unbelievable to yeah. hear that. Yeah, that was pretty very discouraging. Yeah, and so so when you think of a smaller community, a smaller sorry career college, you know, if CCMH couldn't do it, how on earth could could another small career college manage? Right? Yeah, because I even think I know a school that that had a start during the lockdown. It was really strange. Maybe I made that up, but I don't think I did. I don't know. <laughs> 
I don't know. You got to suck up to some private career colleges and see if they'll talk to us. <laughs> I'll see if I can contact any of my old colleagues and uh, see if they'll warm up to you. Yeah, I contacted <laughs> all, of, all, of my, all of my old colleagues and yeah, no. <laughs> and the ones that, the ones that like, you know, they're, they're kind of a little bit lower on the rung at the school. Like they're, they're instructors. They don't hold any other positions. They're like, I'm not even, I'm not even going to ask for you, man. <laughs> I'm not helping you. No, it's like this is not happening, dude. Putting my job on the line. Yeah, exactly. Is there any other information that you think that potential students or current students might need to know about return to school? Um, I mean, I can I can be very specific about some of this. Uh, I had made all kinds of notes before we got together for this. Um, we're working with with uh, Hamilton Public Health, as I'm sure all schools are working with public health. Um, when they come back on campus, there's a couple things to keep on, in mind. Um, when they come on campus, uh, they're going to have to uh, pre-screen. And at Mohawk, we have uh, an app called SAM, which is Security at Mohawk. And through this app, it's uh, they, they, every day that they plan on being on campus, they need to go to the app and do the self-screening. And then when they arrive on campus, there's only going to be a couple of approved entrances that will be open. Hmm. And they'll sign in with security. They'll use that app to prove that they have screened uh, as safe. Um, they'll show their student card to prove they're who they say they are. Uh, and then they'll have to put on a face mask and they're required to bring their own face masks or face covering with them. The, the website, uh, our college website has links to places where they can teach you how to make your own masks if you want and things like that. Um, so they'll put their mask on and then they'll proceed to wherever their classroom is. And once their class is over, they're expected to leave. And that's the same for us as faculty. We're only expected to be there for our class and then leave immediately. Now, for us in our program, they're required to wear procedural and surgical masks. So when they come into the labs, we'll be providing them with those. Mm -hmm. They'll be removing their personal masks and putting on the appropriate stuff. We want to make sure everything we're doing in our labs and clinics is going to as closely as possible resemble what it's going to be like out there in practice, right? I mean, that's, you know, that's how we make our students future ready. That's what we have to do. So currently, as far as services on campus, um, the water fountains are turned off. There's no food services currently, mm-hmm. and there's only two places that they can enter. But that's our stage, like our phase two um, closure. So by between now and September, they're going to figure out what limited food services will be about, uh, available to them or how many entrances can we have open to them. So like I said, they'll be adding back in services so that, you know, it'll it'll be a little more comfortable setting, right? But as far as um, any of the common areas, those are going to stay closed for a while, right? right? Mm-hmm. They also have, um, we have a virtual orientation for our students that um, as a new student, they will be automatically enrolled into an orientation uh, course, essentially, where they can gather all kinds of information and they can complete modules and they can win prizes, but we'll also have our live orientation that they need to sign up for and attend on September 8th and uh, for our school. <laughs> and um, it'll be an opportunity to, to meet some of the faculty, to meet some of the current students and maybe some alumni as well and interact with some of the people within their classes. And it's going to be a day one. Look, online learning isn't so horrible. You actually do get to interact with people. 
right? Yeah, yeah. And we'll do it in a fun way where it's not about, you know, gathering information that you're going to be tested on later, you know? So that's the purpose of orientation to say, see, look, it's not so bad. And, and we're all here for you and we're all on the same team, right? Yeah. And so that's something I wanted to share about what it's going to look like when they come on campus. Um, and if they go, if, you know, if anyone just Googles, um, Mohawk College campus reopening or Mohawk College coronavirus update, they'll get access to all of the links. Another one, Mohawk College orientation. <laughs> like if they just Google these things, they're going to get all the links to all the information they need. And there's a lot of really valuable stuff there for students, for their family members, so that they can see stuff that's going to help them feel more comfortable with their um, loved ones coming on campus. Um, so many resources available through from the college as a whole, and then through orientation and through working with the professors, they'll get more information about massage therapy specifically. It sounds like you guys have taken all the steps, all the I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed. Showing caution well beyond what the requirements, the minimum requirements for public health would be. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like the university that we are, well, not affiliated, but we do stuff with. They're, you know, they've gone gangbusters, like well beyond what public health is saying, right? Yeah. They've got this 2,000 square foot lab and they're only permitting X amount of people in and it's, yeah. And the X really, amount of people is very small. X amount of people they're, under 10. I, yeah, <laughs> under 10 people in 2,000 square feet. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think the schools are all doing what they can. They're doing a really good job to make sure that the students are getting what they need and feeling safe because, I mean, in when you're in college and you're going through a program, there's already high anxiety. Like, we don't need to add more anxiety to that. So I think what you guys are doing is great. And I, I like the idea of the orientation and keeping it fun. Like, this is still going to be a good experience. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. It's going to be different, but it's still going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. I think another thing to keep in mind is that whenever people face difficult situations, they look for someone to blame. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that goes on. Like, why is Mohawk doing this to me? Or why is the CMTO doing this to me? And, uh, or to us. And, um, I think it's really important that people understand that this is a pandemic. There's nobody to blame. So it's important to just say everyone is, you know, you keep hearing that word unprecedented until it's like worn out, but it's true. Nobody has ever had to deal with this before. So whatever anyone is doing is the best that they can figure out how to do right now. Yeah. And another, another important thing to remember is that we can't wait this out. No. We're not going to wait until it disappears. It's never going to disappear. Exactly. We, yeah, we have to do whatever we need to do to be safe. And we have to be prepared for the fact that people are going to get sick. Yeah. I'm so glad right? you're saying this because exactly. I think a lot of people are afraid to say this. And I know that when I have discussions with people, I mean, obviously, when I'm with my clients, I'm a little more PC because, you know, you don't want to be <laughs> argumentative with your clients. But in my own circle, I find that I have, you know, for example, I, I have a lot of friends who are parents because I myself am a parent. And so... I, you know, there's a lot of controversy about sending kids back, back to, to school. school yeah. And I'm like, listen, oh, yeah. you know, you do you do what works for you. But I'm I am sending my kids back to school. And, you know, in, in my circle, it seems to be somewhat of an unpopular opinion because, you know, how are kids going to be safe? And, but I'm on the page that you are that like. Yes, we're we're in a pandemic. I feel that we took all the steps we needed to take and we're still taking steps that we that we need to take, but we can't just stop life forever. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids have been out of school since March and I feel there's a lot of kids really suffering and really struggling with mental health issues and anxiety and I I I don't see an alternative 
I feel like the kids need to go back to school. We need to reopen the schools in terms of what the schools are actually going to do and what protocols are going to be in place. I think there's still a little bit of uncertainty there. And that might be why some parents are getting so up in arms about the schools reopening. But I don't know how I would feel if I had a child in elementary school. Mine, I have a teenager going back to high school and they're really excited about going back to the classroom. And I let it be their decision about, you know, whether because they had the option of picking fully online or going back to the classroom. And yeah. they said they wanted to go into the classroom. So that's what we're doing. And I have, I have actually very uh, zero concern about it. But if I had a kid in elementary, I might feel completely different. I, you know, like you said, everyone has to follow the whole mantra of you do you. And you, yeah, you have to do what makes sense for you. And I completely understand the parents who are not sending their kids back. And I understand the ones who like, there's, there's a lot of families who don't have a choice. And mm-hmm. that has to be really hard. I mean, do we have a choice? Yeah, we we have a choice. And we're choosing to let her go back to school. She also really wants to get back into the classroom. And um, your sister's driving her nuts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's we can't we can't keep waiting, you know, and I, I know that when I say that I met with a lot of like, well, what's more important than your health? What's more important? And I was like, well, health is just it's so multifaceted and mental health does matter. And, you know, I, I can't I can't continue to not work. You know what I mean? I can't. And I, I've been back to work now since the beginning of June. And it's starting to feel I don't know about what you would think, Vivian, but it's, I'm starting to feel somewhat normal again, minus this damn mask. But, you know, we do what we do. Even with the mask. But I even that is starting to feel normal, right? Yeah. It's yeah. It's just nice to actually be able to see humans again. So, yes, it's a little bit different. You know, we're not hugging each other and whatever, but it. It's just nice to actually interact with people face to face again. Yeah, I don't even have if to it teach is six to a feet computer apart. screen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are times when I'm teaching a course and I'm just talking to the computer screen all by myself in my office. Kind of strange. <laughs> but I'm happy to have people back in our classroom for sure. Yeah, and hopefully things will continue to go in a positive direction. I remember seeing. I try not to follow the the numbers too closely because it can just be infuriating but i think i saw somebody post something on instagram the other day that was like nurse friend yeah our we had a a nurse on our podcast who actually tested positive for covid at the beginning of this and she had posted that um one of her slides was showing that um, in all of the university health network in toronto so all of the major hospitals in toronto had zero covid cases across the board and um I think in Ontario, there was something like 30 some odd new cases one day mm. in a province of what, what are we, 14 million? Like, I don't know. I was, I was feeling pretty positive. Right. I'd be interested to know the stats specifically on the healthcare workers. Yeah. Like how many of healthcare providers are getting sick, right? And I think we're, I think we're managing well. You don't hear a lot about it. That's for sure. Yeah. And I hope we continue to not hear anything about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Any other questions you have for Vivian? I think she's given us pretty good information here. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Everything that I thought of uh, has has been covered. All right. Then I think we're good. Well, Vivian, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to us. And like you said, Mohawk has quite a long running history with us here. We've had quite a few of your (laughs) staff. We've had some students. So I think uh, at some point, Mark and I are just going to have to come hang out at Mohawk and and do like a round table there (laughs) (laughs) when we're allowed. Do a podcast on site. Yeah. Yes. We're going to have to do it. We've had so many Mohawk people on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right on. You might want to 
look at having one of us back again in December, either staff or students back in December to say, well, we were all gung-ho to start in September. How did it go? <laughs> yeah, I think we should definitely, that's a good idea. Yeah. We should definitely do a follow-up episode. And uh, since we're talking about Mohawk staff, before we go, quick shout out to Ron. Ron, you you entered my brain yesterday when I was doing this assessment on this new client. <laughs> and, uh, you know, some of the stuff he was presenting with, it was a shoulder issue. I was like, what would Ron do? And I went to so back to basics and I did so much muscle testing and I I figured some shit out so thank you Ron I was you were in my head yesterday (laughs) I think now our entire faculty needs to have t-shirts that say what would Ron do what would Ron do (laughs) (laughs) and Connor I just thought about you because I just thought about you (laughs) Mark and Connor have like a serious bromance these days you don't even know and Connor's probably going to kill me for saying that but I swear to God at night I'll turn to Mark and try to tell him something and he's sitting on his phone texting with a smile on his face. I'm like, who are you talking to? Connor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's a pretty interesting guy to talk to. He's got a lot of really cool things on the go himself. Yes, he does. Like we are, we are so lucky at Mohawk with the people that we have on our team. Just, it's ridiculous. We all get along so well and we're so impressed with each other. You know, like it's just an amazing team. That's really good too. And that makes for a good environment for the students, right? When all the faculty are kind of on the same page and the staff get along. So that's awesome. And I, again, I'm going to say thank you so much. This was very helpful. And I think the students will be relieved to hear you talk about back to school because you sound very positive and I think they're <laughs> going to, I think they're going to see the silver lining, Vivian. I think that no, everyone's going to so. be excited. Thanks for having me. Cool. You guys have been listening to two massage therapists and a microphone. Peace.